Hey, Robin. Oh, <laughs> you did it on the first go. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back welcome back to happy hamstrings <laughs> oh i'm so excited um i i spent 10 hours in a workshop about making space and to let you know what that means i'm just gonna let you run with this i'm just gonna, gonna let you talk about whatever topics you want to go on oh my god yes I, don't know if I can handle that much responsibility well you had already said you wanted to talk about hamstrings yeah, well, I did think, thinking about that, but I think what I want to do is kind of walk it back a little bit and talk about our relationship with our bodies. That's good. Um, That's always a great place to start. Yeah, um, because I think that so many times, I mean, we get our mind set on what it is we want our bodies to do or what it is we want our bodies to look like. And then we try to force that on our bodies. And if our bodies start hurting, it's then like we get mad at them. Yeah, or unre unrealistic expectations based on our own DNA. Yeah. Like, because yeah. another thing I've been studying is like, through NASA, I've been studying body types. Yeah. And obviously, not everyone's born with the same body type. And also, people are born with different physiology. Mm -hmm. And also, our physiology, kind of the, the chemical, that, chemical reactions that go on in our bodies are affected by a lot of things, including... Um, you know, viruses we might catch. Yes. Like, you know, what they're saying about, you know, the COVID virus is that, okay, you know, we get it, we get over it, but that virus is always with us. And it's like with me, um, I got cancer from HPV. I have no idea when I ever got HPV. Certainly, I had a lot of uh, chances where I could have, but... <laughs> But it's like these things can lie dormant in your body and then show up later. And just to back it up for the audience, if you didn't listen to the last episode, we explained Robin is a retired, she worked as a, in the medical profession of, she were like physical therapist, right? Yes. She was yes. full time, full time physical therapist. Yes. And, and I, yeah. I'm sorry. And now I'm, um, uh, semi-retired in that I'm hoping to still see uh, some private patients. Okay, I, good. Uh, work a lot with people with chronic pain and fibromyalgia. Oh my goodness. This workshop I did today would have unpacked a lot for you too because it's all about how we make space for clients when they open up about any type of loss or grief mm -hmm. um, and making space for that for them, for us. Um, they did like two hours just on that topic. It was yeah, huge. <laughs> you, you can't just treat the physical body. Um, you know, it really is very holistic. You know, you have to consider your, your spirit and, um, grief and losses and you know it's just all tangled we you know we were very complicated beings and things just get all tangled in our body mm -hmm. um 
But I think yoga has been really, really important to me, um, especially in terms of helping me keep centered. Um, yes. Because I'm, I'm bipolar. And before I knew that and before I was on medication, you know, yoga was something that could kind of pull me down, keep me centered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love yoga as... Um, you know, love the stretching because that's really important. Uh, it's good for strengthening. So it's really, um, um, it's a really good, what do you call it, a discipline? I don't yes. Know. But at the same time, it's like we need to have a healthy skepticism about yoga. We can't kind of enshrine it uh, because just because it's a yoga pose does not mean it's good for you. Yeah, that's another thing we talked for about 30 minutes on how people have attachments to thinking a pose needs to be one way. Uh-huh. And like many different people had experiences where a teacher come up and was like, oh, you're doing this wrong. And they felt criticized, judged. Otherwise, their body was not as flexible for whatever reasons that they didn't do the the star pose. Like, right. and yeah. That's another thing they don't want us to do, like judgment on poses. Right, right. And it really has to be, um, it has to be this conversation, you know, with you and your body, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of have this image of what it's supposed to do. But then you got to listen to what your body is saying. You know, Absolutely. If saying, you know, oh, that hurts. Then, you know, you got to listen. Um, and then it's, good to kind of look at what joints are really designed to do and what they're not designed to do mm-hmm. um, you know let's take wrists wrists for example you know lots of yoga poses have you um, weight bearing on your hands and then trying to stack up your elbows and then your shoulders mm-hmm. and this forces your wrist into about a 90 degree extension and your wrist really is only designed to go maybe about 75 degrees so you are forcing uh your joint into this unnatural position and then you're putting weight on it uh and what your wrist is joint is made up with is you got your radius and your ulnar which are the bones in your forearm And then you've got these eight little bones, these eight little kind of fragile bones right there. Uh, And so when you're flexing your your wrist back 90 degrees and putting weight on it, you're really putting a lot of pressure on those little bones. Mm -hmm. It's really not a good thing to do. So there are a couple of things to do. Um, I do a lot of stuff on elbows. Um, you get the same benefit without, uh, you know, putting your wrist at, at risk. Mm-hmm. The other thing to do is, if your wrists are bothering you, is you put your your hands under your shoulders, but you let your elbows flex. And so your elbows stay next to your body. And that way you can keep your wrists in uh less than 75 degrees um, flexion. 
Yes, and sometimes the blocks are a good answer. And yeah. I, I have one client who likes to use fists, and I don't question that. I make sure that they're comfortable with it, and they said that's what's best for their wrist. So I don't question it because yeah. I have to put trust in all of you guys. If I'm the teacher, I can't be like, that's wrong, because then I'm well, not, like, holding space. <laughs> I mean, wrists are, in terms of your your wrist, fist is good, but then that's putting a lot of weight on your little finger joints and bones. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, um, it can be good for some people. I think the blocks are a better answer. So in terms of putting the block underneath the... Like the, put your block down like on where it's really flat, like the lowest setting. Uh-huh. And then you spread out your hand. And then you're like... If especially if you're practicing on a hardwood floor as opposed to carpet, then you've got like a cushion underneath you. Uh huh. So the um, the block would be under the the balls of your the palm. Like yeah, you would be gripping your fingertips around the outside, and you would actually push the palm of your hand into the broadest part of the block. Uh huh. Uh huh. So how much flexion would you have at your wrist? When you do I, that. I don't know. It would probably even depend on the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing is, is, you know, using like a rolled towel or something, you know, mm -hmm. right there in the, the palm of your hand. Um, and the other thing to do is just don't do a lot of stuff one after another, like the, the yoga teacher I have now that's teaching the senior yoga uh, class, bless her heart. Um, <laughs> she just, she has us do all this stuff on um, all fours. And then right after that, we'll go into like sun salutations. So there's just so much weight bearing, you know, just constant weight bearing for probably 30 minutes or something. Um, which I can, I can hack because I do, uh, all the, um, hands and knees on, uh, elbows and knees, but I don't know how the other people in the class. But 30 do. minutes of sun salutations with seniors? No, no, no. Uh, oh. combined with the, the hands and knees stuff. Oh, like tabletop position. Mixed and maybe in. it's not 30 minutes. Maybe it just feels that way to me, <laughs> but um, so, um, and <laughs> the thing is, is that, you know, people's physiology is different mm -hmm. and some people just have more of a tendency toward inflammation, you know, like people with, um, fibromyalgia and people like me with autoimmune disease, we just tend to develop more inflammation and we get sore a lot more easily. And, um, you know, when you, every time you exercise, you know, your, your body's always, uh, disposing of old cells and making new cells. Mm -hmm. So like over the course of seven years, you've completely replaced all the cells in your body. And what happens when you exercise vis vigorously, you, uh, your cells tend to 
to die off a little bit faster. And so this sets in inflammation because what happens is your body has to send in these big cells to clear away all the dead stuff. And once it clears away the dead stuff, then if you've got autoimmune disease, it kind of, you know, goes around and looks at other things to attack. So it will go ahead and start attacking your healthy tissues. It just doesn't know any better. <laughs> and that's why it's really important to, you know, not to, not to exercise so vis- vigorously that you set off an inflammatory reaction in your body. Right, right. I like how you said it because they don't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like with me. It was like, oh, you know, cancer. Oh, no problem, you know. But let's look at those. Those lacrimal glands look a little sketchy to me. <laughs> you know? There was something quite interesting, though, when I was reading about um, muscle growth. Uh-huh. It it said like obviously we all clearly know that inflammation is bad when it's large inflammations. It said however, with small inflammations it can cause like muscle hypertrophy. So they get muscle gains by accident just because they're inflamed because it has to do with the cell recruitments. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't not the same type of gains like from working out just the fact that muscle growth happens where there's extra fluid and it had to do with cells <laughs> it was so very detailed yeah and yeah, they're all that, the time learning more about muscle growth yeah yeah well that's kind of over my head but <laughs> um so anyway, so we talked some about wrists. Okay, let's talk about necks. Okay. And so, you know, your your vertebral column is made up of, you know, these little blocks, which are vertebra, and in between each one, there's a little sack of fluid that when we're young is, you know, kind of like gel. It's kind of like, um, you know, um, Cum gum, what do you call that? The the kind where you you bite into it and it's got a gooey center, <laughs> like a caramel egg. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And anyway, so it's like our discs are these. Um, they're fibrous on the outside, but they're kind of gel on the inside. When we're young, when we get old, they start drying out and collapsing down. But anyway, the way you're vertebral column is designed to work is it rotates a little bit at each vertebra. So if you take a chain and you just start um, rotating the chain and twisting the chain, you know, you'll get, you'll get, you know, the, the twist will be taken through the chain itself. But if you get to a point and you just keep twisting it, there's a point at which, you know, one of the links will uh, kind of twist. And so when you look at your neck, you know, in your neck, you've got seven cervical vertebrae. And then uh, it starts with the thoracic vertebrae. So you've got 
pretty good mobility kind of at the second, third, fourth, and fifth, uh, and down to the sixth cervical vertebrae. But then the seventh, those are the, the little, the bones right there at the base of your neck mm-hmm. that stick out. Uh, sort of the seventh cervical and the first thoracic. Those really don't have much motion in there. Um, so what it is is that your your neck is not designed so that you can turn your head enough to get your chin over your shoulder. And, you know, a lot of classic yoga poses, they show, you know, with somebody with their um, chin right in line with your shoulder. And what you're doing there is that you are creating too much mobility in um, the vertebra. You know, you've got these vertebra below that are pretty fused and then you're trying to twist and so you end up twisting too much like uh, c5 c6 c6 mm-hmm. and that's where we tend to have problems with our neck and so you know your neck's really on designed to rotate about 60 degrees um Interesting. And you know that that makes me think of some cues I've actually said, take your chin over your shoulder. And from what I learned in my class today, that could trigger people to think, oh, I can't do this right. Because it's just a directional cue, not a literal. So maybe I should come up with a new way of wording that. Just look over your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think make anybody overextend. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I. what's really nice about yoga today is that there is this reform movement going on mm-hmm. where, you know, people are starting to look at this from just a functional anatomy point of view. Um, and so, I, you know, I think that's what's, what I really admire about you is that you really have gone after, you know, getting all this training and getting all this education. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just this continual growth that just kind of amazes me, which by the way, um, if we ever get out of this pandemic, I want you to be my personal trainer. Okay. I can do it online. I can Um, do it online even. I know that's totally unpacking a whole different scenario. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me not get. <laughs> we could talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're overwhelming my. Uh... I know. Here I was saying I was going to make space and blah. <laughs> I'm just unpacking everything. Okay, so we were going to talk about hamstrings. So do we? Okay. Talk yeah, we've got time. We're about 20 minutes in with a one hour uh, thing. Okay. okay. So anyway, um, muscles generally, we have some muscles that work over one joint and other muscles that work over two joints. And so like in your calf, Mm -hmm. you've got uh, your soleus, which is closest to the bone. It just goes from like your tibia down past your ankle. Mm 
to, I guess your calcaneus. I should have looked that up. But anyway, and then you've got your gastrocnemius, and that starts up above your knee on your femur, and then it goes, so it crosses the knee joint, and then it goes and it crosses the ankle joint. Okay, now with your hamstrings, your hamstrings cross at your hip and go down below your knee. So you can stretch your hamstrings by flexing forward at your hip. You can also stretch your hamstring by straightening your knee. Now the thing is, your hamstrings do not go past, uh, they do not past your ankle, they end up right below your knee. And so pulling your foot back in order to stretch your hamstrings doesn't work. You know, the position of your ankle has nothing to do with the amount of stress on your hamstrings. What it does have to do with is your sciatic nerve that your sciatic nerve starts up in your back, you know, little nerve roots come out in between each vertebra. They join into this great big nerve, your sciatic nerve, which is about as big as your thumb. And it goes down and it branches out and branches out. And there are some branches that go all the way down behind your ankle and into your foot. So what you're stretching, if you're you know, if you've got your hamstrings stretched out, you're flexing at the hip, you're straightening at the knee, and then you pull your foot back, that doesn't have anything to do with your hamstrings, but it does stretch your sciatic nerve. And your sciatic nerve is not someone you want to piss off. Right. Uh, that's one of the number one complaints of when people have back pain, right? It's it's almost yeah. always that sciatic nerve. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you're young and flexible and your tissues are all fluid and stuff, you can get away with doing that. But, you know, as you get older and things start drying out, um, you can irritate your sciatic nerve. And I can tell you from position, from experience that, uh, that's not something you want to do. Um, uh, the, uh, I think the last time I got sciatica from, um, trying to kick over my head when I was about 60. <laughs> oh, wow. So you're talking about going from a folding forward position to like a standing splits? No, I'm talking about, uh, forward fold, uh, if you're sitting, uh, long sitting, mm -hmm. Oh, seated, seated fold, forward fold. Yeah. So you're you're flexing at your hip as far as you can. You've seated. got your knee all the way straight. Okay. okay. That stretches your hamstring. Right. If you then pull your toes back towards your head. That just gets your calves involved. That gives your calves, but it also gets your sciatic nerve. But it doesn't do a damn thing for your hamstrings. So do you think it's good or bad to activate your toes in a forward fold? Yeah, I think to me it's kind of not worth the risk. 
Okay. You know, it's like, it's not really, you know, you're, it's much easier to uh, stretch your uh, gastric muscles when you're standing. It is easier forward fold. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, and it's easier to keep your ankle in alignment when you do that. So, you know, what I do is um, I keep my toes a little pointed um, when I'm doing, when I'm doing hamstring stretches because I don't want to, uh, and the way to tell if, if you're irritating your sciatic nerve is that you'll get, you know, it's kind of irritation um, down the back of your leg, and you also can get kind of restless leg um, syndrome, which is, restless leg is, which it doesn't really hurt, but it's just like you can't let your legs be still. You just have to keep moving them. Something that the school in Atlanta I worked with kept pointing out was pointed, and I had never heard that before, was pointed, and they meant it was your foot is pointed, but your toes are still flexed. They said pointed is a combination of flexed and pointed. It's pointed. Oh, that's it. So your ankle is, is pointed, but then your knees. You got the ballerina ankle, but your toes are active. Oh, that's kind of cool. So uh, how do you spell that? They they just said pointed like F U E N T E D I guess I didn't Google it I just trusted them I'm like this is the thing. <laughs> okay. So it's pointed except you. You're flexed. Your your foot's pointed but your toes aren't. Yeah. Right. Your toes are active even though you've got like pointy feet. <laughs> Yeah, your toes, good. like your toes aren't doing the ballerina toes. Your toes are actually active. Yeah, I, I could. And then yeah. when I started incorporating the pointed foot into half moon, it was easier. I don't know why. Pointed foot into half moon. You know, like. Um, yeah, yeah. Anytime when one leg is off of the floor, I guess. If I have something, instead of it just, like, lingering, if I have it doing something. Yeah, yeah. I it's easier to totally, balance. Totally. Um, understand that. Okay, I guess one more thing I want to cover. Okay. Uh, I feel like we've really covered a lot. We have covered a lot. We're unpacking all the, the different joint problems. Okay, now shoulders. Um what happens a lot of times is like if you're doing triangle and you can't rotate your your trunk enough, then what some people will do is to try to get that alignment is to pull your shoulder back. So it's... Um, it's kind of extended. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're looking at it, there's a break. It's like your trunk will be going and then your shoulder will be. Um, you mean like in hypermobility? Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so what you want to think is right. that for your shoulders to be in functional alignment, when you're looking straight ahead, you should be able to see your hands in your peripheral vision. Okay. Because in general, you know, we use our hands and our eyes, you know, hand-eye coordination. So when you're making those twists, you know, if you just keep your your hand within your visual field so that you're not hiking it back behind you. That's kind of yeah. hard. To well, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I love triangle pose, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I might, that's maybe just about all the wisdom I have. <laughs> I think you have more than that. <laughs> I've kept you a while now. We've been on here. Um, thank you so much for coming back on. And um, it's funny that you had mentioned that it's not always all like physical because one of the repeated lectures from my school is about the pranamaya kosha, the anamaya kosha, you know, the whole, all the, all the koshas. <laughs> Do you I know about all this? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. Well, when I signed up, I looked into the, what they were teaching and here's what they just, they're constantly going on about the one truth, which is we are all, you know, divine beings having a human experience. But the Panchamaya Kosha is a system that it's like sheaths of energetic bodies. And think of like, um, you know, the little Matushka dolls. Is that what they're called? The the nesting dolls. Yeah. It's like the physical body, which is the body that we're in, our body shell. Then there's the energetic. And then there's the emotional. Then there's the intellectual slash psychic body. And then there's the spiritual bliss body. And so they de- they define it as like literally like nesting dolls. <laughs> okay, the, now which one is in the center? Is it Here's how it works. The sense well there's six. Wait, one, two, three, four. Five. I don't know why I said that. There's there's five bodies. There's not six. The name of it is the Panchamaya Kosha system. So there's the one in the center would be the emotional. Because it's physical. Then it's the, the Anamaya Kosha is the physical. The Pranamaya Kosha is the energetic or the breath body. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Let, you're going from the outside in? Yes. Okay. And so... Or the more the, subtle, the okay. most to the most subtle is how they they rank it. All right. Like, because the, obviously, the least subtle would be the physical. So it's in order of subtleties. I, I got you. Okay. Physical, and then you, did you say energy? Yes, the pranamaya kosha would be the energy slash breath body. Uh-huh. And then the manomaya kosha, that's spelled M-A-N-O-M-A-Y-A. That's the emotional or the mental body. Uh-huh. Vinanamaya kosha, that's spelled V. I'm, I'm probably even pronouncing it crazy. V, v, is V-I-J-N-A-N-A-M-A-Y-A. And that is The what? intellectual. Intellectual. Vijnana? <laughs> it's like 
The last one is the Ananda, Ananda Maya Kosha, the spiritual slash the bliss body, which is when you're in a complete state of bliss. And that's spelled A-N-A-N-D-A-M-A-Y-A. Well, it just seems to me that the energy body would be like more downward with the spiritual as being a more... Um, well, yeah, I think that because they're all like intertwined, it's not like they're separate because it's also funny to me that the emotional and the intellectual are in separate bodies because there's no way you could have one without the other in some cases. So are they saying like if you escape, if you're emotional, are you escaping from intellectual? Like, I don't think that's what it means. It's just like the fact that it's separated unpacks a lot for me because they're saying it's this system of subtle soul energies not like it's something you can see except for the obviously the physical <laughs> so when they taught us today they continued to say work through all five of these bodies but without your own perspective without projecting your ideas also, it's, I mean, it's very much like the, the chakra system. And they, yes, they talked about how that's also intertwined. Uh, <laughs> they said they have whole workshops on chakras and exercises on those too. Uh, I guess a lot of yoga studios do that. Well, I think that, you know, what it is is that, you know, the universe is far more complex than we can understand. And so mm -hmm. it's like we're always trying to delineate things and classify things and figure out things and so you get all these different ways of looking at things and uh, mm -hmm. and one of my homework assignments is to consider the themes of many lessons around these subtle bodies and around chakras and how am i supporting my physical and my energetic body you know, each of the individuals. Like, how am I supporting them? Uh, that makes me tired just thinking about it's, it. It's, yeah. <laughs> because they also want you to think of, like, if there's a blockage that's related to, like, some kind of chakra, then you should do an exercise for that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, is, it can make you tired thinking about it. I'm just going to have to tackle it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you just go with what you know <laughs> oh my goodness well thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us and everything and if you think of something else we'll have you back on again and I'm looking forward to sharing more with you about all these different things as I learn them <laughs> well I you know I've been decluttering my house because I'm a hoarder you're not a hoarder. I've been in your house. You are 100% not a hoarder. Well, I'm just uh, really, Continue really along. At tucking them away. She has so hidden, really, hidden but, things. Uh, uh, but, I, you know, I realized that I need to do this for, to become more spiritually clear. You know, I just, the, the kind of the chaos. Um, and, 
you know, it's like all this stuff is I have is like pulling energy out of me. But what I found were um, belly dance symbols. Oh, at some point. Cool. So yeah, so it made me think of you, of course. <laughs> well, cool. When, whenever the pandemic is under control, I have to go out and do some uh, karaoke and belly dancing. Yes, we we must. We must. Well, all right. I'm going to end the recording before I hang up on you. So I'll let you say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Namaste. Goodbye. Namaste. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Share this out.